Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, and we're here to talk all things Aston Villa after a 4-0 win against Brentford at Villa Park this Sunday morning, afternoon, evening, depending, I guess, where you are. You'll hear this bright and early on the Monday, so hopefully everyone had a great weekend, a fantastic Sunday with Villa winning, and of course, starting your week off bright with this podcast and just knowing that Villa weren't crap yesterday and there are a little there's a little bit of glimmer a little bit of hope is what I'm really trying to say but nonetheless it's not just me we do have Danny Raz I did guilt him into joining me once again even though it's a late night session for you OG listeners this is probably a typical thing that you would have heard uh, back in the day so an OG edition of the podcast I guess you could say but anyways Danny how's it going for you hey man it's going great no guilting involved whatsoever I wanted to be here um, some might say that I'm a glory hunter and I only show up on the podcast when Villa lose, but uh, when Villa win, but I was here last week. So, uh, and that obviously was in the lead up to Steven Gerrard getting, getting the sack, getting the sack. So this is the first time I've been on since that's all happened since all the Steven Gerrard business has happened. Um, and yeah, I think it's been a bit of a trying time for Villa fans this week. A lot of conversation, a lot of kind of staying on Twitter, waiting to see how the odds have changed in terms of a new manager coming in. But one man who might have stuck his claim is Aaron Danks, who of course took charge of Villa in the 4-0 win over Brentford and uh, essentially got the side scoring sort of three goals in 14 minutes, which is more than sort of Steven Gerrard managed in the last seven games. So yeah, uh, look, more than or equal to, sorry, I should say. Um, but look, it's a 4-0 Villa win over Brentford. Uh, I think the boys did a lot to shut a lot of critics up. There has been some sort of like laughing at Villa for what's gone on this week. And in terms of, you know, people like Pochettino reportedly sort of like backing out of the Villa manager race. Um, but... Yeah, I think Villa managed to shut a lot of people up and, and, and what a performance. Absolutely. Well, of course, you mentioning there that you haven't been on since Jared got sacked. Of course, it's only like a couple podcasts ago, so it's not like it's uh, forever ago. But I know Tom spoke very well on the reaction to Jared being sacked that we recorded on Friday that went out Saturday morning. Um, and he kind of felt, Danny, that there was almost this lift, this weight that's been lifted off more so the club shoulders, but he just felt like a much lighter individual, much happier just waking up on Friday, knowing that he's gone. There's a little bit more optimism. We have something different to look forward to. I mean, even to backtrack it pre Brentford, how did you kind of feel about it initially? And especially now, how are you feeling about it too? Pre Brentford? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, pre Brentford. So, <laughs> so 
what are you talking about Gerard getting sacked yes and all yeah. that so, yeah I think I think for me the way for me to sum it up really is that and and I can never sit here and say that a club should should sack anybody you know it's people's jobs Gerard's not the only one to have lost his job obviously um you know uh, his backroom staff have followed him out there no more Gary McAllister Neil Critchley Tom Coleshaw Jordan Milson Scott Mason you know of course thanks to everything that they have done to try and help the club over the last sort of year or so. But I think it was, it was clear to, to to everybody really that the results weren't improving. You know, you can you can look at that as, as facts on a piece of paper. But the thing that really sums it up for me is you saw Villa Park in the defeat to Chelsea. Villa played fairly well, but the atmosphere was was rough. Every time Villa missed an opportunity, every time Villa played the ball back, you then go to Fulham, where it's well documented that there were very anti-Steven Gerrard chants in the stand, in the away stand. The performance was woeful. It was like a game of Aston Villa bingo. Poor defending, an own goal, a red card, a penalty. And uh, you can also add to the mix a chairman storming out, <laughs> sort of in the middle of a in the middle of a game, um, if reported to be believed. Um, and, yeah, I don't think I could imagine Steven Gerrard walking back into Villa Park after that. Not out of embarrassment. I mean, could the club handle a manager walking through that dugout and back into the lion's den with effectively a stadium of your own supporters who have essentially turned on him. I'm not, I'm not saying by the way that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing. I'm not saying, I'm not justifying that, that people should ever turn on a manager, but it, you just felt that kind of toxic atmosphere that was brewing sort of around Steve Bruce's exit. But at this point, you, you're not getting very many fans who feel any sort of collect connection to Steven Gerrard either. So yeah, for me it was you can't you can't really imagine that guy coming back into Villa Park after all that booing, after the fans have turned on him at Fulham. I think that's the main thing for me. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too, you kind of have to sit back and look at it as well. And we were discussing this a few minutes ago pre-recording. It's it's interesting when you look at Steven Gerrard as a, a head coach, more so as a I guess, quote unquote, a leader and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like more so, in my opinion, that just comes from more so as playing days than maybe any proof in the pudding on um, a massively successful managerial career career outside of Rangers. Of course, it's still early days in his career. If he continues to want to be a manager, I guess, after being sacked by Villa. But then you have Aaron Danks come in. And for me, it's just the perfect example of, a massive name that can bring a few big name players in yada, yada, yada to a lifelong career coach who can set a team up, do the basics, get them ready. And for me, that was the massive difference. Now, of course, we'll, we'll break down the goals in terms of what happened um, in just a moment. But I think the massive call we have to discuss first is dropping John McGinn, which came in, of course, on Saturday. And I feel like it's a lot of feelings and emotions for a lot of people that 
wanted the likes of McGinn to be rested for a bit, maybe even Ramsey's basically what I'm trying to say is the midfield needed to be changed. And it felt like it never was. So Danny, with all that kind of in mind, I mean, what did you make of the decision to rest Ramsey and McGinn? And I guess two, what did you make of Aaron Danks in terms of how he set up this side? So first of all, there was, there was sort of leaks going around, wasn't there? They're like, Oh, McGinn and Ramsey aren't going to be in the match day squad. First, first and foremost, that couldn't be further from the truth. They were both they were both on the bench and they both featured in the game. Um, so let's just get that out of the way. I think for me, really, thanks. What's up? It's set up in a certain way. Um, it got very stale in Steven Gerrard in that he'd talk a good game, talk about how things needed to improve, talk about people needed to kind of you know kick themselves off the backside and stuff. But yet we'd see a very sort of predictable lineup coming every week. There was never a change of, of strategy. There was never a pulling another sort of uh, formation out of the hat to try and counter anything. And um, Danks just said, look, I want to do something different here. You know, to, to Gerard, he might have walked into that team, seen Bailey, Buendia, Ings and gone, you know what? In fact, no, Bailey and Buendia, he might have looked at and gone, you know what? They don't really fit my system. Danks has seen Bailey the left winger, Wendier the creator, Watkins out wide. Okay, fair enough. Get let these players basically play to their strengths. But essentially, the Dion Donker and, and Douglas Louise thing, it just gave the defense more support. It just gave the midfield a little bit more bite, a little bit more sort of solidity. Where John McGinn never really settled as a central defensive midfielder. Ramsey, I've, I've always liked what he does in terms of, you know, he can he can battle for the ball, he can win it back and that kind of thing, fair enough. But but Villa have really sort of like lacked presence in the midfield recently. And I think what we what we finally saw this time was a little bit of like separation between the midfield and the attack, right? So John Donker and Louise, they know what their role is. And uh, it just really allowed Buendia and, and, and Bailey to kind of advance and do the creative business, really. Uh, and I think... It, rather than a rather than it being a thing about dropping McGinn and and Ramsey, it was more a case of this is the way we want to play. This is the, this is the way that we're going to get onto Brentford early and score goals. And uh, you know, ultimately, it paid off. Now, you know, you're looking at Dion Donker, for example, as a defensive midfielder that came in that Steven Gerrard, you know, really wanted in in the summer, supposedly, and he's barely had a chance. You know, this is the first time he's, he's, he's is this the first time he started? I, I mean, believe so. I think he came on for the odd substitution. Well, I came on against Fulham, I guess I can remember that. But aside from that, it's been very hit and miss. What's it going to do? You know, what are you going to learn about a player there? You know, how, how are you calling that, you know, uh, yeah, how are you calling that a chance? What you need is for this guy to come in and, and, and have a go there. Um, and ultimately, we saw that yeah, Villa could Villa could hold him and feel far better and, and keep some presence. So I I have no real problem with him dropping McGinn and Ramsey because because he wanted to play two defensive mids and and who are the two be- best defensive mids in that in that Villa team? Dion Donker and, and Douglas Louise. Sure, maybe Nakamba's in with a shout there, but you know we haven't seen much of him this season, regardless. And um, yeah, man, look. Uh, Ramsey and McGinn, you know, perhaps you want to look at them as number 10s, but they've all got a part to play in this squad, whereas it's felt like there was no sort of um, 
motivation for some of these players to play well in under Gerard's reign because he, he was he was shackled to a system that he wanted to play, and because of that, he was only ever going to play certain players. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the thing with the two midfield as well, I think a lot of people had some fears in regards to how that's ended up in the past. But like you said, when you have someone like Dendonker that can just sit there and soak up the pressure, it allows someone like Dougie Louise to have a little bit more freedom. But also Dougie Louise was very impressive in the tackle throughout the game. I don't have the exact percentage of tackle completion or the numbers or anything like that, but he was just very impressive did the simple things right, but he also was able to have that freedom to move the ball. And the other thing too, I guess, even going further back than them, it was nice to see Maddie Cash and Ashley Young actually play fullback. Didn't have to constantly bomb forward, expecting everything to happen and to be that creative outlet. That was a nice thing. They could defend when they need to defend and they could go forward a little bit when they needed to support. Now, I guess if you're going further up the pitch, the thing I liked the most was actually playing Leon Bailey on the left. The fact that we've tried to play him everywhere almost, but it feels like on the left has been one of the biggest jokes that I could ever think of. But playing these players in their preferred positions with Buendia being able to play in the middle, sometimes going off on the right, swapping with Watkins, who, of course, if you're looking at it probably probably from a defensive standpoint, it was a 4-2-3-1. But from an attacking standpoint, often I felt like it was more of a 4-4-2 at times when you had Watkins and Ings kind of playing off each other here and there, which... I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like in the very early days of the Watkins um, partnership, we just never felt like it was going to work. Then it started to work. And then for some reason, we just kind of gave up on it. Now, it's all well and good to say that it's came off this time. And we don't know, maybe we go on a, a losing streak again after this one win. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves, Danny. But at the end of the day, it's an impressive win with players that needed some of that confidence. And even when you look at the substitutions that were made, of course, and they were very timely that I thought, of course, that we were just setting up shop, really. McGinn coming on in the 63rd to give Docker a little bit of a break, refresh some of that midfield. Yet Coutinho coming on for Buendia in the 71st, Ramsey coming on for Bailey to restructure things a little bit. Uh, great to see Callum Chambers come on at right back as well. Because for me, I'd never want to see Ezra Conza there again. Um, and I think what was there was one more Cameron Archer, of course, coming on the 81st minute. That's the biggest one that I kind of briefly want to talk about for me is Cameron Archer. Now we have Ings that scored two goals. Of course, Watkins that, I mean, he took three attempts, but he did put that fourth one away finally. Um, how do you see him kind of coming back into it? Let's assume Aaron Danks is taking us into Newcastle next weekend. Cause I assume that's going to be the assumption. Where do you see Cameron Archer kind of playing out on this? Do you think maybe he has a little bit more opportunity to get some game time and even for the next manager, how important is it to get him into the lineup a little bit more often? Cause for me, it's been one of those interesting things with Gerard where it's almost felt like he's, constantly said oh archer has a bright future yada 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 and then we just have never seen him then it comes out that he's been injured for x number of weeks days months or whatever so where does that all kind of sit with you in regards to cameron archer dude look cameron you can keep cameron archer on the bench if ings and watkins are scoring Mm -hmm. all right The, the issue has been for me under gerard ings and watkins were not scoring goals Mm -hmm. they both scored (laughs) they both scored 
against Brentford, right? So Archer should be on the bench against Newcastle. Yeah. Abs- absolutely, right? But the guy needs a fair crack of the whip. Like exactly. you know, he needs you know he needs he needs he needs a good go at it. You know, he he needs to. Yeah, look, the guy needs a the, the guy needs a fair chance to to get into two. because you know he's he's been scoring plenty of goals during um, the games that he that he has featured in or given or or, or been given opportunities to. He's been he's been he's, he's been able to feature against. Um, Against championship opposition for, for Preston, and and he's and he's put goals in, and and really like you know either you loan him out, or you play him, um, and you've got to make him a part of your squad because if you've got three strikers, and two of them aren't firing, like ideally, man, you need a you, you need a manager who's going to say, look, you, you're you're going to get your fair chance here. Because otherwise, you know, if, if you've got young players like that, they'll just go elsewhere. They will just go elsewhere. You know, Chuck Wilmaker went elsewhere because he, he didn't feel like he was getting the chances of there. Um, I know I know we can laugh, but like, you know, let Archer start a couple of games here and there if Watkins and Ings don't score goals. Um, and, and that for me was a big failure of Gerard, really. It was a big failure because he, he really did fail to freshen up that attack you know, when it, when it wasn't scoring. Right now, I'm back out here thinking, you know what? Ings can score goals. Watkins, yeah, he can score goals as well. It's just, it was just a confidence thing, really. Um, but let them, let them not sleep too easily because this kid will be big, whether it's for Villa, whether it's for someone else. He's, he's got that finishing ability. And uh, I think we're better set up to create chances for him now. Absolutely. Like like you said, it's all about giving him game time. And of course, he came on for nine minutes plus added time. And that's all well and good. But he needs more of those opportunities. Because let's be honest, I, I can think of the few times that he came on earlier this season under Gerrard, which is very rare. And it was literally the dying minutes where maybe it was for a minute or two, it felt like. Um, and really what are you going to do aside from maybe run half a kilometer or something like that, and maybe get a little bit more fitness under your legs. Uh, might as well run on the treadmill, in my opinion, if that's going to be the case, but let's talk about Leon Bailey. Cause of course, like I said, I was going to mention the goals and we're halfway into this conversation. I forgot to, I should say Leon Bailey scored in the second minute. Um, Danny Ng scored in the seventh assisted by Bailey. Um, of course, scoring the 14th minute as well to complete that barrage in the first half. And of course, like we mentioned, Watkins scored in the 59th minute after well, on the third attempt, I should say. And of course, Dougie Louise actually got the assist on Bailey's opener in the opening couple minutes. Now, to mention Leon Bailey, I, I think it's probably kind to say he's Bambi on ice at times. And I think it's more than fair to say that. Now, it's always kind of been interesting because under Dean Smith, I nah, felt like I don't agree with that, man. You don't think so? Don't be honest. Nah. The guys, the guys, the guys, a big bundle of energy, a big bundle of energy, and he needs that energy max for. Whereas, like, I, I feel like when I've watched Bailey, I've seen him kind of like really kind of go at it, and then you've got kind of the rest of the team just walking about, not really matching that same energy, and I, and I think that's why that's why it hasn't paid off for him. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, like I, I get what you mean, but I don't know. Sometimes it felt like even under Dean Smith, especially it was like, 
watching Triore where you'd have that mat momical that what am I trying to say moment of magic if I can get that out of my mouth correctly where it was brilliant but aside from that it just really didn't seem to pay off now with Leon Bailey of course playing in his preferred position having that space of course with Ashley Young being able to actually support him it's just for me it's I think the biggest learning lesson we can even take from this game is how well this group of players especially Leon Bailey can play when they are supported, they're in their preferred position and how they can actually succeed in that. Now to get a goal and an assist and to be tied as our leading goal scorer um, within seven minutes probably says a lot about how the season has gone for Villa thus far. (laughs) But regardless of that, it is important to remember that, you know what, he has had injury issues, inconsistency in terms of playing time. And now it's really that time, Danny, for him to... I guess, demand his spot and to stay there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The thing with Leon Bailey is that, yeah, yeah, he's, he's always said, in him and his father slash agent has always said, like, you know, he needs to he's play Leon Bailey, you need to give him a go. And yeah, sure. Gerard didn't like wingers, though. So how's that guy going to incorporate him? And it's, it's always felt like he's he's been edged into the team, just kind of like... Today, what I saw for the first time um, since Dean Smith <laughs> was um, a winger and a fullback working together. Bailey and Young on the left-hand side today were, were, were great. Were great. And actually, like when I think about it, it's the first time I've seen two Villa players work together since like Coutinho and Ramsey did sort of last season since they started linking up a little bit here and there. Maybe we'll see that relationship kind of blossom again. But I think I think for me it was Bailey put into a team, you know what you can do, sort of have him kind of run at defenders and then but but there was never that sort of real attacking identity, attacking sort of um strategy it looked like. And now I think He's basically being told, look, just do what you do best. Be creative. You know, stick Danny Ings in the box. You've got a poacher there. You've got Watkins on the right-hand side. There's, there's players for you to create chances for. And, and I think that's the that's the main thing for me. Just He was told to just run. He ran. And that's his best talent. And, uh, yeah, we really, really sort of saw, saw that from him today. 
when we first saw him burst onto the scene as well, that game against Everton, remember, I think it was last season, where he was just so, so good off the bench. It's like Bailey was quite free back then. And it's like we haven't seen that Bailey since then. So maybe it was the shackles being off. Maybe it was just him being given a chance to, to just be Leon Bailey, really. Because for all the disrespect he gets and for all the kind of, for all the sort of criticism, you know, some of our attacking players get, like, they were all talented players before they came to Villa. That, that, that can't just change overnight. It needs good coaching. It needs good coaching. Um, and actually, funnily enough, there was something interesting that I saw. Bailey, Bundira and Ings, they were supposed to be the Jack Grealish replacement. And this is the first time they've ever started together. How wild is that? How wild is that? There's your 100 million like investment. That was supposed to be what upgraded our team. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it's mental to kind of sit back and even think about it, that we've kind of went from that one focal player to thinking, okay, we're going to score by committee. And clearly that hasn't happened. Now it happened today, of course, at time of recording on Sunday, which is all well and good, but it, it's just mental to say that they haven't started together. Now you can give the, the excuse that Bailey was injured and Ings has been massively inconsistent at times, but I mean, this is a side as well, and I think it's fair to mention that scored all four goals before Felipe Coutinho even came on the pitch, uh, before I think we even made a number of substitutions with key players that have been a focal point in this side, especially under Steven Gerrard, which is important to note. I think, for one, it shows the depth in the squad and the opportunity for players to really settle down and to try to actually take advantage of the the chances they have now, because of course, we don't know who's going to come in next, how long Aaron Danks is going to be um, in charge at this point in time. Maybe it's for just the Newcastle game. Maybe it's only for a matter of days or maybe it's a matter of weeks. Now, I don't expect it to be like the Wolves situation where they're just going through kind of their paces at the moment and hoping for the best in terms of a replacement. But we'll have to wait and see. But at the end of the day, no, you are right. And like, I don't mean any disrespect to Leon Bailey. I think it's just it is a flair player. And I, I think with that comes a lot of frustrations, but can also come those moments of pure beauty and I wouldn't say luck, but skill, maybe a little bit of luck at times, especially when I think of the likes of Bertrand Traore in the past. But uh, regardless of that, Danny, should we, uh, should we go to the, the question now? Or do you have something you wanted to bring up? Yeah. I was just going to say like, look, you got to remember, this is a guy that, that gave up Champions League football already for Villa. Yeah. You know, these, these, uh, a lot of these lads will be fairly motivated and, you know, will want to see some sort of return on, on the risk investment they took to come to Villa. Your Buendias and your Baileys, they're not here to be bit part players. Like, Bailey wants to be, you know, a top player on the scene. Buendia wants to be playing for Argentina. And... And it just it just needs the right coach to just piece it together a little bit. And maybe now I start to think maybe the issue wasn't that Gerard was like, you know, a terrible coach, but perhaps he's just over maybe he was just overthinking his entire strategy, you know, to the point where like it's that rigid that players just lose their individuality. And yeah, look, you know, I look at players like that and I think 
if we'd have kept it going on, would have lost a lot of talent from the squad just to please this guy's almost kind of passion project to make 4-3-3 a narrow 4-3-3 work. And I'm not convinced, having seen what I've seen, that that, that it was ever going to come off. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm blessed and happy to see the return of Wingers at Villa Park. <laughs> it's been all too long. But uh, let's go to uh, Twitter here for just a moment because I did put out and it was very late. So I know a lot of people probably didn't have a chance to see it. Just asking for thoughts on the match, Villa-related questions, anything like that. So we had a couple of our very own contributors um, step up to the plate. So thank you very much to our very own Simon O'Regan who – just put in a thought saying the balance of the midfield today was excellent. Then Donker gave uh, stability that allowed Dougie to flourish and Watkins and Bailey staying wide gave Buendia so much space. Amazing what happens when you play a system that suits the players in your squad. The one thing I did actually want to mention on that Danny too, and I, I was going to mention it because I kind of um, did previously in regards to Aaron Danks. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens in terms of the next appointment in regards to that, because I, I, you can't really say, because we're not on the training pitch with them. So we can't say that Jared wasn't coaching them, but I, I think this is a massive lesson to get a coach that can work with the players at his disposal. And it doesn't become a situation of, Oh, we need better players. I'm going to put that in the media every week. I even what he kept saying last season into the summer, um, like you look at your Brightons of this world and you could probably have a few other examples, your Brentfords as well. They can slot any manager into they well, not any manager, but a certain type of manager into their club. And it will typically come off. They'll be stable and they'll perform to their expectations for the most part, because they have that foundation there. They can work with the players at hand and they can make those changes to, make this, some, them succeed, I guess I, I'm really trying to say, but I think that's more important than anything else. But uh, You need some pragmatism, right, Bolle? You need yeah. some pragmatism. And it's like, I think the issue isn't that, isn't that you know, the, the issue isn't that um, Gerard didn't have the intent or whatever. The issue isn't that Zion Donker and, and Louise was always the answer. It's that he never tried. Yeah. He, ne- he never tried to go against his own better judgment. He never said, let me try playing with two of the ends. And maybe it's because he's maybe it's because he just doesn't know how to play that way. You know, um, whereas what you need really nowadays, I think in the modern age, is, is a manager that can say, we can set up this way, we can also set up this way. And um, if this isn't working, we need to try this out. The only tactical change I've ever seen, well, the only like yeah, formational change I've ever seen Gerard make is um, there was a few games ago, I guess, that we we let the fullbacks kind of hold back a little bit short. Um, that's why they they managed to play well against sort of the bigger sides. But uh, it was changing from two inside forwards and a striker to two strikers and a and a cam. That's the only time he ever changed that. And like now, I'm thinking when Kamara is back. You're talking about Kamara and Luis as holding midfielders. If Villa are getting goals out of that four-man attack almost, or with the with the number 10, Buendia, or that, it's almost like a return to Smith, um, but executed better with better players. Um, yeah, then you're looking at a very, very strong midfield. 
So, yeah, as a sequel, the issue for me is that Gerard never tried that. He never even tried it out. He stuck at the same gate, at the same midfield, same you know formation every single game. Again, you knew he was always going to be on the on the on the team sheet. And so, yeah, this is it. He tweaked things. Danks tried something different, and it worked. And that's sometimes football for you, bro. Well, it's about time someone had a little bit of uh, of an opportunity to show some bravery and to just kind of put their foot on the ground and say, you know what, enough's enough. We have to try something different. And it, I mean, at this point, of course, your manager's gone. Um, it's basically a skeleton crew in terms of staff. You have to try something at this point. And I'm just glad we did. And we didn't just kind of go with status quo. Um, but our very own 7,500 Holt's very own Liam Davies also uh, put in a good question in regards to Luca Dean. Um, uh, basically what our thoughts are on him and does he come straight back into the side once recovered, given the form of a very, very well and strong informed Ashley Young. How do you feel about that one? Cause it's, I mean, he can be amazing on his day, but the fact that a 37 year old Ashley Young is playing this well, I just, I don't see how you stop that momentum at the moment. Yeah, look, this is this is the cruelty of football. If you get injured and someone else comes into your position and starts playing well there, like it's it's tough luck. It's tough luck. Um, but whoever the new manager is, I think they'll be happy, you know, seeing seeing somebody like Luka Dina going right. Yeah, you know, at least at least we've got that option. Maybe you don't want a thirty-seven year old Ashley Young playing every single week. You know, I'd maybe maybe there there come certain games where you think he's perhaps not the most solid option. For me, by the way, Ashley Young, I don't understand how most improved player from last year. Oh, massively. I don't I don't know. I don't know how the guy just like switched on his defensive work to that level. But I'm very, very happy to see him playing well. Saw his link up with Bailey. Very, very good. That said, Luca Dean on his day, top class left back. People talk about his defensive, um, his defensive issues. As far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, the, the slate is what blank from here. I don't know these players. I don't know the capabilities of these players. I don't know their ceiling because at this point, I'm almost convinced that they were playing at about uh, 50, 60%. No, 50, 60 is not, work, not, not the right one. Maybe 60, 70% of their levels. Because under Gerard, like we, we, we kept it okay in terms of defense and whatever but this is the first game i really saw us really kind of uh break the shackles loose a little bit and yeah i think i think luca dean could benefit from a new manager bounce just as much as anybody else does if luca dean comes in and has a great game that's his position because um if you're looking at the future of villa if you're looking at who should be left back next season ideally it should be luca dean well, it just speaks to our depth too, of course. Like, I mean, you're going to have some pundit probably in the next few months, say the likes of Kamara coming back, Dean, and the list goes on and on. feels like with injuries these days, it's going to be like a new signing. So we'll have to wait and see in regards to what happens to that. But the thing about it being a fresh start it is important to know, and I don't know how I didn't notice this before in regards to the bench. You did have Marvelous Nakamba on there and Morgan Sanson as well. Of course, no Freddie Gilbert still. But um, I mean, for me, that speaks of it's time for a little bit of redemption. There's a little bit of a possibility for some of these players to at least feature a little bit 
and not be complete um, castaways at this point in time. So I think that's important to keep in mind because I feel like once players start playing for the under 23s and you don't really even see them make the bench and they're not playing at all, I think a lot of us either just forget about them or think their time is completely up. But whether it's justified or unjustified, I don't know what really happened with those two. It's good to see them on the bench again and hopefully uh, we can see them feature for this side and we can put a little bit of a run together. But Danny, let's do the three word reviews on Twitter. We might as well. I think there was like 90 some odd of them. I think 94 maybe or 97. Sorry. Um, I, I, I underquoted myself, but anyways, of course you can tweet us at 7,500 whole post-match usually goes out five to 10, 10 minutes after that. Um, a lot of Aaron Danks, um, I guess, meme-worthy ones. So let's just get through these while we can. Uh, Stevie Green saying Danks a lot. Uh, Mark Jarobi saying Aaron Danks in. Uh, Brad Wolf saying goals, goals, goals. Trevor Hood saying Dank Bailey Dendonker. Um, let's go a little further down. Um, the Gentleman uh, Masher saying that was Danks. Um, Philip Marsh saying exciting, much needed. Um, Gareth Davies saying about bloody time. Carl um, coming up with tactical awareness wins. Jewel saying Danks and Cutler. Uh, Villa View from afar saying completely different team. Colin Jackson, 13 minutes. Wow. And I think there was one or two more here at the very bottom that I favorited. Uh, Ernie Barnhurst, well, I never. Emery saying Buendia is free. Craig Wright, shape, graft, win. And I think there was one more here. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to absolutely butcher this. I'm just going to call him Sanj. um, (laughs) So I don't make myself sound like an idiot. He says, dank you, Aaron. So I think that's a good way to um, end that portion of the podcast. Maybe that'll be the title of the pod. I haven't even come up with it yet. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But uh, Danny, would you happen to have a three word review you'd want to pipe in with? Yeah, um, let's go with Villa are back, I guess. I think I'll go for that. That that felt fun. It was good to watch football for the first time this season, honestly. Even in the games we've won, I've I've, I've walked away kind of going. All right, so, cool. (laughs) Sure. I feel you. I feel you. It's it's been one of those seasons. It's just been massively frustrating. But uh, before we wrap things up, Danny, I think it is important to also nominate our man of the match, give our match balls. I feel like we haven't done this in weeks just because it hasn't been even worthy of doing it. So, who would you give your man of the match slash match ball to? Uh, Ings deserves something because you know, he scored two goals, which is you know fair play to him. Watkins, after three shots, managed it. Uh, fair play. I think I'm going to go Leon Bailey though. Like he was the he was the dynamic factor. He's that he's that player that if you're a Brentford fan watching today, you'd go off balls. You can't stop him. So I think I think for me it was Leon Bailey on a different level. I'd say. In this game. Absolutely. And of course, I'm going to go with Danny Ings just to be a little bit different. I mean, two goals today. It's great to see him become the joint top goal scorer. And again, that just <laughs> really shows how bad it's been this season. Um, having our leading goal scorer only have two, but nonetheless, it was nice to see him be clinical, just the service into the box. He didn't, it's not like he had to 
um, absolutely work his socks off for these goals. Of course, one was a penalty, but the way Leon Bailey fed him just for a simple kind of almost tap and really to redirect it, it was just, I mean, he's going to finish those like nine out of 10 times, if not 10 out of 10, it feels like. And it's about time that we actually service him the way that he was serviced at Southampton and past clubs where he had that success. So it, it's really great to see. And hopefully it long continues. And of course, really you have to mention how he walked out with the, um, with the uh, mascot for this game with the headphones on in support of the young fella too. So that was great to see in a little bit of a heartwarming moment, but uh, anyways, Danny, it was great to chat with you. Thanks for jumping on. Of course, if you want to find Danny on Twitter, it's at Raz You can find me on Twitter at talk Aston Villa. Um, hopefully we'll have a Newcastle preview out with uh, Seb finding a, um, Newcastle journalist or whatever fan, I guess you could say. So hopefully that should be out on the Thursday or Friday. But anyways, if not, we'll be back post Newcastle to try to make sense of hopefully another positive result. But anyways, we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.